Did y'all see... I saw it when I went to the theaters and was watching a preview, which is a weird thing to say. I haven't said that in a year. Um, <laughs> but there's a King Kong and Godzilla movie yes. coming out. Yeah, you haven't yeah, heard Tessa. David talk about it? I have not. I'm very against it. I can literally tell by the look on David's face when he's watching a video about it or <laughs> of it. It is very sweet. Because David is, like, obsessed with Godzilla. I really do like Godzilla. It's so good. I watched the preview in horror. I was like, what? (laughs) Why? (laughs) It's awesome. Because neither of them need to die. Yes, he does, and his name is King Kong. King Kong has to lose. He is just an ape. Yeah, he's just a monkey. Exactly. Exactly. He's just a monkey. The other one's a walking nuclear bomb. (laughs) I love King Kong. Walking nuclear bomb with lasers versus a big monkey. (laughs) A monkey. (laughs) If humanity wasn't so mean to him, he wouldn't be this way. Whatever. Unless he got to tear up that monkey ass. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Hello, friends. My name is Austin Martinez, and you're listening to Misconceptions. What did I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I Everything's been so stressful lately. I thought, I thought it would be fun. I, I thought she would come there. I thought I could help you fight her. I, I was, I was joking with you and teasing you. And you're so sweet. You're always so sweet. And I'm terrified. Please. Please be okay. Previously on Misconceptions, the crew was pursuing Linda Lockwood after breaking into the weekly news and finding her information in some employee files the crew tracked Linda to her apartment Uh, Mohammed and Woodard being the two of the crew that Linda would not immediately recognize snuck into her apartment Uh, and uh, what neither of them noticed was that they triggered some warding spells that Linda had placed around her apartment And as the warding spells prepared to take effect, uh, Mohammed and Woodard did some investigating. And Mohammed found a uh, a secondary address that Linda has some sort of tie to. He found a picture of her, a younger her, with a slightly older boy in front of this house. Uh, And as Mohammed and Woodard were preparing to leave... The warding spells took effect. The doors slammed shut, and uh, Woodard and Muhammad started to suffocate. 
Muhammad, acting quickly, burst through the door, but as Woodard was going to follow him, he was tripped by some inanimate objects around the room and swallowed by a magical chest, leaving only his cell phone behind. Uh, Muhammad, or no. Uh, Faye, stricken with concern for her husband, went to go to him, but Esther grabbed her wrist and used her ring to uh, hold her in place against her will. Uh, I wonder if that will come up at all in this episode. But, um, yeah. Where do we pick up? Do we pick up uh, with Mohammed rejoining you in the car? Do we pick up with the car already in motion? Uh, where does this episode start? Oh, Christian, you were going to ask me a question. What was your question? Oh, yeah. Question? So, um, I had a mechanics question about the in-game yeah. rules. Uh, and I was curious how high the, uh, I guess the modifier or the status has to get before, like, donezo, before in-game is complete. Yes, yes. So, um, so that's kind of a, a tricky question to answer because as the, uh, well, let me put it like this. Um, at five, the uh, Cabal's full plan will be enacted upon the city. Uh, at uh, six, the city will be irreparably affected by the Cabal's plan, and there will be no going back. Um, not to say that game over, but you will have failed in preventing whatever the Cabal's plan is. So at five, the Cabal's plan will be fully known and realized and begin to take effect, and at a six, uh, the effect will be irreparable. Mm. Uh, so does that answer your question, Christian? Yes. And, and I guess right now, uh, the status is at a three. So where does this episode pick up? I kind of like the idea of it picking up Muhammad driving and just barreling down the road toward this address. Okay. Uh, Faye and Esther, do you like that? I'm good with that. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, that's fine. Okay. So, uh, we see Mohammed's uh, beat-up old car uh, weaving in between downtown traffic, cruising towards the address. What, what, what do we see? What is the scene inside of the car? Uh, Mohammed is like death grip on the steering wheel, white knuckles, um, dead straight eyes dead straight ahead just uh, en route to this location um Esther is looking over the um papers that you brought with you and the picture um she's looking for um she's like reading over like what the bills are for she's looking at the um picture turning it over trying to see if there's a date on it if she can see any kind of address if she recognizes anything about the boy in the picture um anything like that because she's just trying to figure out like if she maybe knows this person she's trying to glean as much information from um the little bit that muhammad brought with him from the apartment that she can okay um and since i don't like have ren to like look up anything like she's mm-hmm. trying to do her investigation of that 
Sure. Um, Sorry, that was a long trip. No, that was fine. Um, so you you said you were like turning the picture over. Yeah, like, Uh because, you know, the back of the picture, like, sometimes, like, it'll have a date printed, or they'll, like, write a note about what the picture is of, and so she's trying to see if she can see any, like, faded writing, because it's an old picture, and so she's just trying to see what she can see. Yeah, yeah, you flip it over, and you pop out the back, uh, and you do see, in faded blue ink, you see a a date, uh, a summer day 20 years ago. And you see, uh, also written in that same ink, you see the names Linda and Logan. Damn it, Logan. (laughs) (laughs) Faye is um, talking to Muhammad. Go through it again. What? So you walked in, you were looking in drawers. What happened? And like making him or asking him to repeat over and over and every time he tells if he agrees to tell every time he tells um Faye is like again and like trying to pick up any clues and at this point Muhammad, she's asked probably three or four times already uh, Muhammad's gone through it each time Faye I told you everything I know we went in there was uh there were these runes on the door and it, and, and it closed and we couldn't breathe we, I broke down the door and these ruined things showed up on that box and he fell in it and then he wasn't there that's it that's all I got Say, um like slams the dashboard uh, with her fist damn it I'm sorry Mohammed I'm sorry I'm we have to find him. What do you think I'm doing? We find Linda, we find him. I know, I know. Just drive faster. And Faye is like looking out the window. He pushes harder on the pedal. Yeah, and I think, uh, Mohammed, as you run a red light and like twist into a turn, like some cars honk at you and you start going. Uh, along this road uh, just barreling down this street weaving in and out of the two lane traffic Uh, Faye you said you turn and look out the window and as you do uh, you realize that you are passing by the city park Um, this huge expanse of trees uh, somewhere in that forest is your home Uh, and as you are speeding along you see some of the trees are discolored uh, and you see patches of the grass are dry and brown and yellowing it is fall but it is not quite the time for trees to shed their leaves and that part of you that is so connected to nature you feel like a, a hollowness in your chest like uh, as if you have been jogging on a cold wintry day and your breath is uh, ragged and hard and hollow in your chest and you feel that something is very very wrong with nature Faye is like taking deep breaths and 
Um, her first thought is like, okay, you're having a panic attack again. And is she's like trying to calm herself down. And then, you know, that feeling is still there. And so she's like rubbing the, the top of her um, chest near her collarbone, like trying to take deep breaths and calm down. Something is wrong. Something is very wrong. Faye blinks and her eyebrows are furrowed and you, you can see the pull in her brain of like wanting to go check on the trees. Faye, you feel that hollow part in your chest. You feel that call of nature uh, pulling you towards the woods. Do you listen to that call? Muhammad, pull over just for a minute. Esther wants to read face thoughts. Okay. Um, well, if you if you just want to tentatively reach out with the ring, we have done it before, where like you get a one word description of how people are feeling uh, in your vicinity. Do you want to do that? I guess. Okay. The jewels that make up the uh, the eyes of the owl in your ring uh, flare see like a uh, a ring of magic go out from Esther's vicinity and envelop Mohammed and um, Faye kind of like a, a, a radar sense or something like that and as the ripples and waves come back to you uh, Faye and Mohammed give me a uh, or give Esther a one word description of your mood your surface thoughts conflicted Rage. Okay, that's what you get back. Faye, what are you doing? Muhammad has not slowed down. Muhammad, I swear to God, slow down or I will throw myself out of this car. She'll do it. He slams on the brakes. um, And the car comes to a violent halt. Faye throws open the door, runs as fast as she can to um like i'm picturing her like jumping over the curb and the sidewalk and then there being like grass that is part of the park and she's going to put her hand on to the ground and close her eyes give me a sense of what's going on roll investigate while she's doing that, Muhammad's gonna look back at at uh, Esther. I'm leaving in five minutes, whether she's in the car or not. Fair enough. Um, I'm gonna say the more the merrier because there's so much connected nature out here. Okay. So plus one. I got a twelve. A twelve. All right. So you you get one clue. What was what what were you saying as you were touching the grass? Like before you rolled, you said tell me what's going on. Give me a sense of what's going on. Give me a sense of what's going on. Mm-hmm. So as you say give me a sense of what is going on and you uh, weave your fingers in between the blades of grass and dig your nails into the dirt. Um uh and you ask give me a sense of what is going on. Uh and the answer you get back from the grass is they have hurt her. She is dying. I imagine that there's like a a gravity that comes 
in that. Um, and Faye, like, kind of... I mean, she's, like, crouched down. She kind of staggers back and sits down and takes a deep breath and runs back to the car. There's... Someone is... Someone is dying. It, they said that she is... She is hurt. She is dying. They're hurting her. And she looks at Mohammed and Esther in, like, full panic. Who is she? I don't know. That's all they told me. Mohammed looks up. Doesn't Lisa live in that forest? And Faye is, like, turn, Like, drifts off in thought. I don't know if Lisa's good. And Faye stops herself, but her thought... Um, if you were to see, like, a thought bubble from the audience, it would be, like... Do I care if the forest kills her um but like that doesn't come out of Faye's mouth she just kind of goes silent and is staring off into space I know it doesn't make any sense I know I I know that Wooded is the priority but there's something here I y'all go and get Wooded I I have faith in you I will meet up with you give me my comms back I I have to I have to figure this out Esther gives her a weird look because this is very out of character. Faye looks at Esther broken. I don't know what to do, Esther. Esther just shrugs and moves to the front seat. Yeah, Mohammed drops the comm in your hand. Give me a call the minute you get to the address. And Faye turns and runs towards the leaves that are dying. Uh, and as Faye disappears uh, through the tree line, Muhammad and Esther, what do you do? Esther buckles on the front seat. They're already on the road. Right. And Muhammad and Esther peel out, going towards the address, and we follow Faye. Faye, you are sprinting through the trees of the park. Uh, leaping over dirt walking paths uh, shoving your way past people and and soon all of the machinations of a man-made park fade away and you enter into this dense enchanted forest with mist slowly billowing around your feet and you keep running keep running keep running uh, expertly weaving your way through the trees and over bushes and under limbs and then your foot snags on something and you trip oh Lisa, are you here? You call out into the mist-filled uh, uh, forest. You do not hear a reply. Faye gets up and starts like frantically turning around in circles, looking around her. Um, what tripped her? Yeah, and... Uh, I think as Faye was running through the forest, I think the reason she was so able to just move through it so effortlessly is that she willed the plants out of her way. And so the fact that she would have tripped on something while she's getting plants to move out of her way is odd. And so as you're feeling through the mist uh, obscured in front of you, you touch something that's definitely not a plant. And you're like brush the mist aside with a few swats of your hand and you see 
the black of a Kevlar armor vest. Um, Faye, like, stands straight up, reaches her left hand back, and, like, vines come up and just are, like, near her hand, ready to go. Who's there? The figure, partly obscured by the mist, does not respond. Faye's going to throw her um, left hand, like, up diagonally and have the vines wrap around the armor. Yeah, and you wrap around this this body that is in the mist, and you lift it up out of the mist, and you see uh, a man, average height, average build. He is wearing paramilitary gear, uh, pouches, guns, ammo, clips. Um, he has a ski mask pulled over his face. Um, but you see that his neck is twisted at an unnatural angle, uh, and he is dead. Faye jumps over him and keeps running. Okay. And you keep running, you keep running. Um, and as you are running, you see another person in a Kevlar vest up against a tree, uh, a limb sprouting through his chest. Uh, you keep running, you keep running. You see two people in Kevlar vests with vines wrapped around their limbs and their necks, having constricted and choked them to death, pulling them up into the canopy of the trees where they still hang. Uh, You keep running. Uh, You come into a clearing, and you see an armored van. Its doors opened. Um, It is unmarked, no license plates, no logo, no insignia. In this clearing, poking out through the mist, you see dozens of these paramilitary uniformed people. But not just people. You also see beastmen, like the one from Dr. Jacoby's Island. Uh, but they are also outfitted with vests and armor, and they just litter this clearing and in the middle of this clearing is a well from which all this mist is billowing out from and leaning against the well her back against the stones her sheer green curtain dress stained with red blood you see Lisa her eyes flutter open and she looks up at you giant Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 86 of Misconceptions. I'm your host and off-duty teacher, David White. I almost said Mr. White, uh, which is what my students call me, but since we're friends, I'll let you call me David. And sorry, everybody, that this episode is coming out 
later during the day. For those of you listening after the release date, it's fine. It's not affecting you at all. But for those of you that were waiting for this episode to drop earlier today, I'm sorry that it didn't drop earlier. The reason it didn't drop is because it's summer uh, and... Uh, We were taking a lot of family trips. We took one last weekend. We took one uh, the weekend before that. But I planned on editing during the last trip we went on. And I like had it all planned out. I knew when I was going to get away and do some editing and get this episode ready. And then when I got there and opened my bag, I didn't have my laptop charger. So after I cussed and fumed for a little bit, I posted on Facebook and said, Hey, sorry, not going to have the episode ready yet. Uh, it'll get there soon. So, that's what I'm doing. I woke up this morning, started editing, trying to get this episode to you as soon as you can, so you can listen to it. Uh, but let's go ahead and get to some housekeeping stuff before we let you get back to this episode. Um, so, uh, if you have noticed, we are having friends of the show introduce these final couple of episodes leading up to the finale of Misconceptions. The idea behind this is, uh, you know, we wouldn't be making the show without you. Uh, and I just thought it would be a cool thing, like, if I gave you the opportunity to introduce and welcome listeners to these last few episodes of Misconceptions. So, if you are a fan of Misconceptions, if you want to introduce one of these final episodes, please record yourself saying, Hello, friends. My name is, insert your name here, and you are listening to the Misconceptions Podcast. Send that to me at misconceptionspod at gmail.com, and I will uh, put you in one of these final episodes. Now, I will say that we only have uh, two episodes that do not have intro clips. So if you, if we could just get two people to send in intro clips so that we could have you know somebody to introduce those those two episodes, that would be awesome. Of course, if we get more than two, that'd be awesome too, and I'll have to figure out some way to get you all in these last few episodes. But anyways, uh, if you would like to introduce one of the last episodes of Misconceptions, please record yourself saying that prompt and send it to misconceptionspod at gmail.com. And talking about the finale of Misconceptions, after episode 92, the final episode of Misconceptions is released, uh, I'm going to sit down with the cast and crew and just talk about the show. Talk about questions they have, but also talk about questions that you have. So if you have listened to the show and you would like to share questions with us and hopefully get some answers out of us, uh, please send those questions to misconceptionspod at gmail.com or you can go to our Discord. There is a link below for you to join our Discord. And you can go to our Discord and post in the Burning Questions channel. And we'll just try to answer as many of those questions as we can during our Geek Out After the series. And you know, Misconceptions is coming to a close But that does not mean it is the end of us making shows. That's right. There is going to be a Misconceptions 2, but I'm not revealing what the subject matter, who's involved with that project, or even what the scope of that project is yet. You'll just have to wait 
until it is announced. And if you are wanting to know what Misconceptions 2 will be, go to our Facebook, go to our Twitter, subscribe to both of those so you can get up-to-date information about the show and you will be one of the first to know exactly what Misconceptions 2 is going to be and when it is going to release. Uh, We are wholly supported by our Patreon. And we don't have any new patrons to shout out this week, but I just want to point out that we have a new goal. Our new goal is $900 a month. This is a big goal, y'all, and I know that. And the reason that it's such a big goal is because at this level, I will be able to pay the performers $15 for every episode that they record. Right now with our Patreon, we are able to pay our performers $5 per episode. Not a lot, but a step in the right direction. And $15 a month would be a huge step in the right direction. So please, if you like this show, if you would like to see these performers paid more equally uh, and uh, more equally and more uh, correctly for their talent and effort, uh, please Support us on Patreon. Help us get to that $900 a month goal. And before I go, we also have a website, misconceptionspod.com, and you can go there to read about our shows, to read about the players behind the voices of these wonderful characters, but also you can shop some cool merch. Right now, we have Little Chibi Keychain... What? What am I saying? Little Chibi Keychain Charms for the cast of misconceptions and for the kids of sins of the father and guys these are so cute you can just clip them on your keychain and take them with you we have esther we have a bill we have a wren we have a Faye, and of course we have the crew or the kids of sins of the father and they're, they're just so cute y'all you have to go check them out they're only eight dollars you can grab one of those keychains get them for yourself uh, and just, you know, have a little bit of cuteness in your life. Uh, I love chibi things. I have all eight of the keychain charms right here. Oops, just dropped one. Um, but super cute. You should go get them. Uh, and all of that is going to go towards supporting the show and making it bigger and better. All right. Uh, I said I was going to get to the episode real quick. And then I talked for a long time. Let's go ahead and get back to that episode. We cut from that scene to uh, Mohammed's car screeching to a halt in front of the address. And Esther, you are still holding this picture in your hand, Mm -hmm. and you hold the picture up, and as you lower it down, we see the exact same house outside of the window. Uh, you see a multicolored paved walkway leading up from the road, and along the side of it, you see these half-moon circles lining the uh, the walkway in alternating colors of red and white, and occasionally a green. 
you see a house with a purple paint, uh, and the shutters are green, and the roof uh, is all these bright, wonderful colors of red and green and uh, white and blue and pink and purple and alternating shingle patterns. The door is this bright red color with a brass knob. Uh, and as you look at this candy-colored house uh, that has kind of had the color sapped out of it by just the, the unending rain and mist and vapor of the city, you can still see that candy color peeking through uh, as you and Mohammed are in the car. Um, what do you do? Does it look like a gingerbread house? Uh, you could say it's reminiscent of a gingerbread house. Mohammed, does this look like a gingerbread house to you? Uh, kind of. I think this might have been Linda's childhood home. That's what it seems like. He's going to open the door and step out. Esther will step out as well hand at her waist on her gun does it look like it's been abandoned at all like or does it look like uh, there's the is the grass grown over like the grass is pretty grown over uh you see some like newspapers that uh paper boy has like rode by and like thrown on the 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 driveway that have just been left there esther's gonna um bend down and pick up one of the papers what's the date on it um about a year ago. This paper's from a year ago. Well, maybe nobody's here. And he's gonna try to open the door. Okay. Uh, the door is locked. He's gonna open the door. Yeah, uh, and, uh, you do. You put your weight onto it, and you feel the wood creaking and cracking, and then it just... <laughs> and listlessly drifts open. Did it break like a cookie? <laughs> no, it broke like a wooden door. Okay. Just checking. Yeah, uh, Muhammad will step inside. What does he see? Uh, Muhammad, you step inside and you see uh, a slight flash of red at the periphery of your vision. I step back out. <laughs> okay. Esther, you see Mohammed break open the door. He steps in, and then he steps right back out. What was in there? Uh, it's the same thing as from the apartment. It's trapped somehow. Do we need to leave, or should we go through the, go to the back? Uh, I don't think it'll matter now. They already know we're here. So are we going in? I think we have to. Just be ready for a quick exit. Y'all both step inside. Uh, you step into a entryway, uh, and there is a linoleum tile entryway going in. Uh, and as soon as you enter this house, you smell a sweet, cloying scent coming from somewhere in the house. Mohammed, do you smell that cloying scent? <laughs> Does this scent remind me of anything? Um, bakeries. Okay. 
It smells like pastries. Not any pastry I want to eat. It's far too sweet. I guess, like, Muhammad's going to start, like, oh, what's it called? The word's escaping me. Like cops do when they go in and they, like, search each room one by one and, like, clear clear it. Yeah. Um, okay, so go and clear the rooms. Yeah. I'll go ahead and have my gun out since we already know, like, we're in danger. Yeah, and I've okay. still got my street sign. Uh, so the entryway uh, goes further uh, into the house, obviously, and there is a door to your left, and there is an open entryway that goes presumably into, like, a living room. Okay. Uh, Muhammad will open the door on the left. Okay. Uh, you open the door to the left, and you uh, it is a coat closet. Uh, and inside you see um, a lot of coats sized for children. Esther's turn to the living room. Okay. You enter into the living room, and uh, there is a step down into the living room. And the living room has this red shag carpet. Uh, and as the camera goes into the room, I think it like comes up from the shag carpet. And the shag carpet looks like uh, individual tightly woven fibers, almost like some sort of sweet cherry flavored licorice treat. Um, but as it comes up out of the shag carpet, we see uh, a couch with like a, one of those oversized dualies thrown over it uh, and like the the arm rests have that swirl uh, and the white wood of the swirl and the brown leather of the couch is reminiscent of a cinnamon roll and we see all this other um, uh, all this other furniture that has this kind of just vaguely sweet motifs to it when she steps on the carpet, does it like, is it carpet texture or it is, is carpet? It, it is a shag carpet texture. Is there any like bookshelf or anything? Uh, yeah. Um, she's going to walk over to the bookshelf and just like, do any of the books look out of place? Is there anything that's like sticking up? Like, um, no, not really. Um, you see a lot of cookbooks, a lot of baking books. Um, not every shelf has books on it, though. You see some picture frames. Uh, and you see uh, in each of these picture frames is this old woman. Uh, and in each picture you see, like, she has her hands on the shoulder of these two children. Uh, and as you look closer, uh, you see that the children aren't the same in every picture. Uh, it does seem to always be a boy and a girl, but you see different ethnicities, different ages. And the pictures are all these different pairings of children, but you see the woman is always the same. And almost the same age in every picture um are any of them linda and logan you see one picture frame uh that has a picture but it is torn in half 
and you see the woman but from like her chest down is missing and you hold up the picture you took from Linda's apartment and you see that it lines up perfectly with uh, the rest of that picture Uh, I'm gonna turn it over still and like look and see if there's anything on the back of that part of the picture Uh, there's not I'm going to pick up one of the other pictures and turn it over and see if see what's written on there. Okay. You turn it over. Uh, it is from uh, 40 years ago, and the names on it are Harry and Sally. Mohammed, what are you doing? Uh, yeah, so I, like, I don't know, move the coats to the side, just kind of check the closet, make sure there's nothing weird in there. Uh, yeah, you, you push those coats to the side, you feel along the back. Uh, and it's it's a solid wall. It's just a cloak a coat closet. All right. Then I will close the door and go into the living room with Esther. Okay. You see Esther looking at some pictures on a shelf. Uh, Esther, are you looking at other the backs of other? Pictures? Yeah. And I mean, is it all the same blue pen, the same handwriting? Same blue pen, same handwriting. You open up one. It is from thirty years ago. It's Harry and Gwen. You open up another one. Uh, it is uh, Sam and Susan from 60 years ago. You keep opening them up and it is the same. Uh, it is a girl's name and a boy's name and alternating dates. Going back for quite a time. Mom is going to look at the pictures as well. Um, does the old woman look familiar at all? Uh, she does not. Esther's thinking in her head that she's really impressed that this pen lasted that long. <laughs> she would like to know the brand. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> so you, you have the furniture in this room. You have uh, different, uh, I guess, different bookshelves, different pictures and things. Uh, and stepping up out of uh, the living room, you see the kitchen beyond that. And that smell is very strong from the kitchen. Esther's going to drift to the kitchen. Okay. Muhammad? Yeah, Muhammad's following. Okay. You step into the kitchen, and that smell hits you like a wave. Uh, <coughs> and um, and you see, uh, you know, your, your telltale mid-century kitchen. Uh, the uh, garishly colored cabinets... Uh, linoleum countertops, uh, kitchen aids, uh, an oven, an old uh, like blue refrigerator with like the rounded corners, uh, and the singular silver bar going down the side to open it. Um, you see a, a, a deep freezer, um, and you see a dining table. And on the dining table is a baking sheet, but the baking sheet is six feet long, and it takes up, like, the entire table. Esther looks around and, like, looks at the oven. How are they doing this? Is it an oversized oven? It looks like a normal-sized oven. 
Esther has like a Mary Poppins moment where she's like looking at the oven like they look at Mary Poppins bag like how <laughs> would you how would you cook a six foot man in this oven yeah. like she's Definitely. trying to like see if there's like Definitely. I don't know a trap uh, and as you're looking at that the uh, oven has different pots and pans on it um, everything is turned off right now but you see different like wooden spoons sticking into it different measuring cups and then uh, on the counters you see uh, cookbooks opened up or what you assumed were cookbooks uh, but as you just kind of turn through them you see wait a second these are not step by step directions on how to bake these are not even written in English you don't even know if they're written in a real language uh, you just see these strange arched figures uh, and the audience would recognize they are the very same runes that were around the door and the window uh, when Mohammed and Woodard broke into Linda Lockwood's apartment. Mohammed, have you ever seen this before? He's going to look over it. Would he recognize the runes? They are in that same font and style. Kind of looks like what appeared on that on the door and stuff at the apartment. Oh, hold up. Actually, uh, Esther, you do recognize these. Uh, whenever Rin was breaking open uh, gingerbread pip, uh, on the underside of his skin were runes. And these runes match this. Okay, well, this is clearly where they're baking pip. These are the same runes that were on the inside of his gingerbread arm. <laughs> That's a sentence. Um, <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> uh, yeah. Can I kind of look over them as a baker? Is there any insight I might glean from this? Um, well, you, you do see, like, some cookbooks interspersed here, and you do see, like, some shorthand uh, of a baker written in the same blue pen that Esther has seen, um, kind of in the margins that are written in English, but then other things are written in this strange runic language. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is obviously some sort of baking instructions, but something much more arcane and, dare I say, profane than just your average holiday gingerbread man. Okay. Well... We found the bakery. So where's the baker? So you said there's like all the dishes and stuff that are out. Mm-hmm. Have they like are they clean or are they No, they're dirty. Can I I want to like look at them. I I want to like stick my finger like in one of the ones that has like some remains in it mm-hmm. to like see if they're like caked on or if they're fresh or you know what I'm trying to uh, say. Sure. They are uh, they're caked on. You can't really tell how long it's been here, though. Yeah. I I feel like these have been sitting here for a while. Um, yeah. Are there crumbs on the baking sheet? Yes. And as you look at the crumbs on the baking sheet, 
they form the vague outline of a six foot tall man. Yeah. Muhammad picks up a little crumb and tastes it. It tastes, tastes like pretty a man. good. No. Uh, it is a very sweet bread. It's, uh, it's pretty good. Um, Esther wants to move to another room. Uh, she's trying to figure out if maybe there's a chest here. And maybe that was like a portal or something. Sure, sure. Yeah, you see, um, the kitchen is L-shaped, and the top of the L like goes back into the living room, but then the uh, the other end of the L goes um, back into that entryway that goes like from the front of the house to the back of the house. Um, Did you say there was a stairwell in the in, like in that? Uh, can't stress this enough. Uh, it is a one-story house. Okay. <laughs> um, but I think... So you, you see uh, one side goes off towards uh, the entryway and more rooms. Uh, but you see some gingerbread crumbles on the ground next to the table. And they kind of trail away from the table and end at the deep freezer. Muhammad's going to walk over there and open the deep freezer. You go to the deep freezer and you uh, open it. And it opens very easily and you see some ice bags and different things like that. Uh, But as you open it, you notice that the base wobbles a little. I'm going to close it and look down at the bottom of it. Yeah, and you pause and look down at the bottom of it, and you see the deep freezer is bolted and screwed onto the floor. And as you kind of wiggle the deep freezer a little bit, you see the floor that it is bolted on wiggle and move with it as well. Esther, help me with this. And he's going to, like, bend down as if to flip the uh, deep freeze up on its end. Yeah, yeah. And uh, it as you like go to lift it and flip it, you actually find that it's on rollers and you oh. just like roll it over to the side. Or I guess as you roll it forward away from the wall, and as you do, you see wooden steps leading down underneath the house. And you see those gingerbread crumbs on each step going down into the darkness. Anybody have night vision? <laughs> Scanner goggles? Nope, just like just like Sense of the Father, this party has no dark vision. <laughs> Can, like, Muhammad have, like, one of those glow, like, the police glow stick things where you crack it and it causes a pretty big light? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, you crack it and shake it a little bit to get to activate the light. Yeah, it's a really, really it. bright glow stick. <laughs> yeah. Down we go. You descend down into the basement. Gun raised. Yeah, you walk down the steps creaking beneath every f- uh, footstep. Uh, and you get to a cement floor. 
and uh, you turn, bringing the light across to scan. Uh, and as it does, it illuminates a face staring right at you. Is it a face we recognize? It is the face of Pip Hamill. Oh. But without any hair. And as Mohammed, I think, stutters with the light, maybe. Yeah. Uh, we see that he also has no clothes. But it is all smooth down there, like a Ken doll. <laughs> oh, okay. And it, or Pip, is just staring at you. Is he, like, does it look like he's alive? Like He is not blinking. Okay. He is not breathing. And as your pulse slows, you see another Pip is staring at the back of his head. And behind him is another Pip. And you see a lines and rows of Pips lining this basement all unclothed and undetailed except for the details of their eyes and faces and nose and mouth just standing lifeless and as you are looking at this for lack of a better term terracotta army of gingerbread men you see a partition has been set up at the other end of the basement, and you see uh, the partition is made of a plastic vinyl that goes from the ceiling down to the floor, almost like an emergency like uh, surgery room or something like that. Uh, and you do see light coming through in a ghostly glow through the plastic lining. We see light, but do we see, like, a shadow of anybody back there? I think you see a shadow, but it is not moving. What do you think? Should we... should we go? Go where? In there. I think we have to. You got it, boss. And, uh, yeah. He's gonna walk up and put his hand on the curtain and pull it aside yeah and you you walk past the rows and rows of unblinking unmoving pips all standing excuse me excuse me uh, sorry sir (laughs) all standing uh, yeah like walk down a row of them with them on either side of you going to the the four walls of this basement unmoving unflinching just staring at the back of the head of the pip in front of them but you get to the plastic vinyl, you grab it, and you tear it aside. And as you tear it aside, we transition from that scene uh. back to mm-hmm. Faye uh, in the forest. Lisa bleeding and uh, leaning weakly against the well. She sees you and says, Child. Faye runs over to Lisa. What? What happened? And as she coughs, uh, blood spurts across her lips, but also down her dress from the wounds in her chest. She says, They came to take 
So well. Her head starts to fall to one side and she starts to list a little. Take note. Lisa and Faye like reaches for her and it's trying to like frantically figure out how to heal her. I don't understand. What what am I supposed to do? Her eyes slowly flutter back open. Okay, don't let them take the well. Got it. But this well is not theirs to take. Should I destroy it? No. She, like, latches onto your arm. No. If you destroy the wells, the city will no longer exist. Lisa, uh, I'm so sorry. And Faye's, like, hands are fluttering, like, across um, her torso where she's bleeding. Um, is there anything Faye can do? Or is she, can she tell that, like, things are too far gone? Things are too far gone for Faye's healing. She takes your hand and she says, Child, I am dying. I will die. And if nature does not have a guardian, someone to protect it from from man, it will die. Nature needs a champion, child. And she reaches up and she touches your cheek with a bloodied finger. It needs you. No, I... I have a family. No, Lisa, I I can't. And she looks at you with tears brimming in her eyes. So did I. But the responsibility to care for nature is more important than anyone. Faye holds her hand on her face. Just rest, Lisa. All will be well. You must accept the mantle. You must become the new guardian of nature. But what would... If we lose the green of this world... We lose their worlds. You would lose, would it? And Faye, what I would like to proposition to you is I'm trying to put your nature is a friend of mine theme in conflict with another one of your themes, either unstoppable activist or teacher for change. Uh, And all three of those have two fade or in the case of your Logos themes, to crack. So basically, I'm wanting you to choose which ones of your themes is going to collapse. Faye's um, teacher for change cracks um, completely. 
or collapses. Mm-hmm. You take you. So you are choosing to take a your third crack and teacher for change. Yes. Um, and Faye wipes the tears from her eyes straightens up a bit okay Uh, and I want Lisa to pass this on somehow to you in some sort of gesture Um, my first thought was she kisses you uh, but I don't know if you're okay with that so Tessa what uh, what is the gesture that Lisa does to pass on the mantle to you. Did she wear like a, a flower crown or anything too? Uh, yeah. Let's say that she does. Then I'll say that, that maybe that has been passed down from guardian to guardian. And so she hands me. Okay. Uh, she reaches back and with shaking hands, takes this crown plucks it from her head and holds it towards you this crown that is so intricately and beautifully woven with flowers and ivy and vines but also thorns a crown of nature and of its ambivalent beautiful but yet terrifying nature and she reaches up with her pale hands and places it on your head And as she does so, she says, Defend nature from man, from their pollution, from their littering, from their deforestation, from their over-harvesting. Defend nature. Do you accept this? I, I accept. And as those words leave your lips, Lisa's final breath passes through hers. You see her body uh, swiftly start to change. From her fingertips and toes, you see bark start to appear, crackling brown and jagged across her legs and up her arms. Uh, And you see uh, beautiful... Uh, mushrooms and flowers start to sprout from her chest where there was previously blood uh, and her hair blossoms into a bouquet of beautifully radiant flowers and within seconds the body of Lisa is gone and what remains is this beautiful display of nature I feel the crown on top of my head and as she disappears I let the very thin wall that was keeping me built together down and I just collapse with my arms over my chest and my knees together onto the ground and as your sobs ring out as you are alone in this forest with just the mist and the trees to keep you company the camera zooms out end of episode Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Misconceptions. We'll be back with our next episode on July 5th. If you have a Facebook and or a Twitter, you can find us on both of those social media platforms, and you can join us to get up-to-date information about the show and behind-the-scenes information. We also have an email, misconceptionspod at gmail.com, if you would like to contact us that way. 
We also have a Discord where you can chat with us directly and chat with other fans of the show. There is a link to our Discord in the show notes. Go ahead and click it if you would like to join our Discord. This show is wholly supported by the generous monthly donations of our patrons on Patreon. If you would like to join that elite group of backers, please click the link below and give whatever amount you can. City of Mist is an RPG created by Son of Oak. You can find more of their products at sonofoak.com. The Misconceptions theme music was composed by Aaron Wharton. You can find more of his music at aaronwharton.net. Misconceptions is the proud product of the Misconceptions Podcast Network. And that's it for this week. Take your allergy medicine and keep it nerdy, y'all. <laughs>